Hello and welcome to another edition of Hit the Lights podcast. I've got a Richard Cockerline with me today. How are we doing, Richard? Not too bad, thank you. Nice to uh, be here. Yeah, no, it's uh, nice of you to join me on this um, very hot day. Yeah, yeah, it's been. I've been able to wear shorts today, which is not something you get to do very often. No, yeah, you haven't been not stuck in any. Anyway. You've not been stuck in any lofts or anything. Yes. Oh, you have. <laughs> yeah, I've been with the insulation this afternoon. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm doing a strip out at the minute. Um, so I've been up in above the ceiling tiles in offices. Yeah. Been insulation for most of the day. Oh, lovely. You, you've lost a few pounds then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sweat through a few uh, uniforms and things like that. So yeah. That's good. No, that's good. Um, so, uh, I mean, let, let's kick the conversation off then. Um, what was your journey into the electrical industry? I started um, when I was 29. Okay, so, so quite quite late. Quite, yeah, adult learn sort of thing. So left school, went to college, did sports, because the science course I started shut down. And I had to just find something to do, and there was space on the sports course, so picked that. Did that for two years and didn't like it. Mm. Um, didn't know what I wanted to do, really. Um, and my dad said, do you want to come and work with me for a bit? Because he, he managed a horticultural nursery. And I've been I've been working there weekends, summer holidays, things like that when I was a kid. So I went to work with him, did that for two or three years, and then we decided to set his own nursery up. Mm-hmm. So we moved, left that business, moved to set his own place up, built it from scratch, built the glass houses, the tunnels, everything, and I did most of the plumbing and electrics because I enjoyed hands-on stuff. Um, did that for. What, from the late 90s till about early 2000s, something like that. Mm. And uh, the nursery was really good. We went all over the country, we did shows. I got into building other nurseries for other people and just enjoyed it. It yeah. was like, it, it, seven days a week, though, 365 days a year. Um, met my wife, well, my girlfriend there, um, got married. I had a kid and thought, I need to have more time off. So we, my dad was a decorator before he went into that. And my granddad was. So we went back into decorating and said, don't come with me. Closed the nursery down, went into decorating. Did that for about six, seven years. And we had two Christmases where customers came to us and said, we're going to do the decorating ourselves. All the other trades have overcharged. We can paint the house itself. Mm-hmm. And I turned out to be dusted. I want to be one of them that's getting paid at the beginning of the job, not the one at the end of the job that's everyone will have a go at decorating themselves. Yeah. So I went to college and I said, I want to be either a plumber or a sparky. What can you do? And they got electrical courses. So I started that in 2009. Yeah, my daughter oh. was born in the beginning of 2009, so I started September 2009. What I found was no one would give you a definite route of what you needed to do mm. to be an electrician. So I did a, a, a first course. It was a year-long performing engineer operations, which was like really good for site work. It was all tray, conduit, um, unistruct, and basic wiring. Then I started, did that, went on to me 2330, did my level one, level two, not level two, level three, got them. Did me 17th 
at that point. Um, still working with my dad. So this was all two nights a week mm. and then trying to find any, any bits of work I could. It took me about 18 months to find a job. And in that time, I'd gone out. I thought, what can make me employable? So I did. We've got my IPATH, PASMA, first aid, um, got my ECS card ready for if I got a job on site. I'd never even thought about working on site, but someone said, get it, you never know. Mm. Anything. I did some renewable courses. I thought that might make me a bit more employable. And everywhere I went, they said, what experience have you got? So painting and decorating, tons. Electrical, none. So mm. I started working for free for people, but they just seemed to take the mic. You'd turn up, do a full day, they'd tell you to wait a bit next day, no one would turn up. So I felt like I was wasting my time. And in the meantime, I was contacting people, asking anyone. And a dad from the dancing school at my daughter took with a spark and said, my boss wants someone for four weeks. It might be a, a way to uh, get into it. Did four weeks with him through November. He said, do you want to stop till the end of Christmas? Stop till Christmas. He said, do you want to stop till the end of the job? So that went through to July. So from 2014 to now, I've been subbing to this bloke for most of the time. We're not doing all the little jobs in between. Mm. Okay. It, uh, it, 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 I found it hard to, to get into the industry. Yeah. No one, they either wanted like, apprentices or someone who knew it inside out and could come and work for them straight away right so did you find when you enrolled on the col- uh, on the college course then and obviously you're doing your two nights a week were you not given any support at that point from the college no it was the the third year was brilliant because the lecturer was uh, still working on the tools so he he was helping people wherever he could um, I mean, one night he said, do you want to stop back and do pyro? They don't, talk, don't teach it. Well, we didn't teach it then. Um, so we stopped back and did it. And that actually worked out quite well because the first job that I got, I was doing in, 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 about 1,500 ends I had to make off. Oh, okay. And he says, have you done pyro? I said, I've done it once. He says, oh, by the end of the week, you'll know how to do it. And that was, what, nine months worth of pyro. And now I do it all the time and I love it. Yeah. It's not something many people do, but we, we, the lad that I'm working with, we tend to do a lot of fire alarm stuff. Yeah. Um, so it, it works in well. So how did you manage your, your qualifications then during that time? Obviously, you would have had your formal training in the evenings and bits and pieces, but how did you supplement that with your MVQ? Like you say, you were doing bits for free, but how are you kind of documenting and doing oh, achieving yeah. that? Yeah, I got I got through all that, and then when I when I started working and getting onto sites, I said right. So I went and found a training provider to do my MBQ, and it took me about four years to do it because I slipped in. But I was working with this chap that mainly did fire, so installation and stuff, all your tray work, conduit, everything like that. I could I could do all that, pyro stuff, FP. We were doing some data stuff, but you bread and butter house bashing stuff all your twin and earth and everything else it was hard to come by so i was having to try and find other jobs it was really good anything that it could find for me that would supplement what we're doing normally and get onto for me and vq it would we would do but it, it did take me about four years to and in that four years 
the criteria of what I needed changed about three times. So a lot of the stuff that I'd done at the beginning, I no longer needed. Mm. Uh, and then when it came up to my final assessment, I then found out I had some other stuff that I needed to do. So I had to quickly get in and do two or three exams right at the end. You've, it's, it's a bit of a difficult one, isn't it? Because like you say, you've joined late. But did you find it benefited you in, in some manner doing it over such a long period of time? Yeah. Uh, I, I, when, when you're on site, you see a lot of lads that are walking out taking photos of other people's work. And they're like, oh, I'll stand next to this. And I'll, it looks like a dream. And I said, I don't want to do all that. I want to, everything that goes into that portfolio has got to be mine. Um, and so you, you weren't picky, but I could choose what I wanted to do and put it in. And it was an inch and a half thick by the time I'd finished with all the photos and everything else I'd put into it. Because I wanted to make sure that when it went in, it was done. The, the, the training provider that I went to, they were they were good. They, they came out to site and saw me and they pushed me in the right direction, helped me. It was mainly myself being a bit lazy and you, you forget about it for a few months and then they'd bring you and say, have you done anything? You say, oh, no, right, best, best get on to it and mm. find something to do. Yeah, I, I think that's probably a fair experience for probably most most apprentices, isn't it? You, you do have to kind of actively keep it on your brain every day to seize the opportunities, don't you? If, you, if you've come yeah. across pyro once a year, then get your opportunity whilst it's there. Yeah, I think sometimes you get into a, so you're just being at work and you forget what you, you just turn up, do your day's work, go home. And you were forgetting that actually I need to be doing this and, and progressing. Because um, so it was only, what, three years ago when I did my AM2. So that's, to, like my wife says, you could have been a doctor quicker <laughs> than, than now long. But you eventually get around to doing it all. Yeah. So then, like this year, now I've got that, I've got my gold cards for on site. The, the next one's 2391, which hopefully back end of this year, I'll be, I'll be doing that. How did you find the AM2? Because obviously um, most apprentices come through, they're probably 16 to 20, you know, kind of diving into that. As an adult, how, how did you um, find the AM2 experience? Um, installation side, easy. Um, rattle that off in next to no time. Um, I don't do a lot of tests, or I hadn't done a lot of testing, uh, especially working with fire alarm. It's, you, you don't do everything that you like you would if you were testing a normal circuit. So that worried me. But I, I always put too much pressure on myself for exams. So I worried. The exam, that bit, I, I failed it first time uh, on one thing, and that was me, me um, filling in my test reports. Right, okay. Uh, I've, I've written, from, they, they can't tell you what you failed on, but they can push you in the di- right sort of direction. And he said what I'd written, I'd, I'd showed my workings out correct, but I'd written a totally different answer down. So the, just not thinking about what you're doing. So everyone I've spoke to said, I've said him now, whatever you write down, check they've written the right thing, what you meant to write down. So well, everything else, it was, it, it was a good experience. Obviously, it sounds like you've had a very unique experience in terms of your learning route into the industry. Yeah. What what would be some key advice that that you've uh, would would advise to say anyone else in maybe a similar or even different position entering into the industry? If you can get with someone that's, I mean, Duncan who took me on 
taught me so much more than the lectures did. Actually, you know, if you can get someone that's good, uh, I think some of the bigger firms that have got half a dozen, a dozen apprentices, they're just pushing them out, and it's like, right, get on with it, and they don't really have much doing. I think smaller family firms or little firms that you can have one to one or have a couple of people mentoring you. To me, that worked a lot better. Um, and I, everything, stupid things I'd always ask, even if it seemed really daft. Mm. If you ask, you know you're going to be doing it right. Um, yeah, it, it's, it was hard because a lot. Some of the other lads that were on the course, they were similar to me. They were in other industries trying to get into it, and most of them, there were quite a few dropped out along the way. I think there were probably about half of us by the end of it to when we first started. Mm. Um, and the ones that were still there, most of them were already working in the industry as there were labourers that had wanted to move up or um, there were some door fitters that did uh, roller shutter doors that were moving, wanted to do other things. Um, but just ask. The more people that you ask, the, the more you're going to find out and the, I think the easier once I started telling more and more people I wanted a job that's when more and more people eventually after Paul who got me this job for four weeks uh, other people said oh I could have got you yeah they but all come like buses yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. once once I was there it was great because I started on site I've, I've done very little domestic work it's predominantly commercial and industrial that we do but when you were on site, talking to all the other sparks that were on site, you find out more. And now the Instagram, that's just amazing for what you can find out. It cost me a fortune on the tools because you see some <laughs> forever buying, buying new gadgets and things. But yeah, the, the amount of information that you can get now, I think it's, it's better than when those years, all those years ago. No, definitely. Yeah, yeah no, I don't think you could debate that. The the resources that are available to people online now um, far outweigh anything that was 10, even probably five years ago, um, yeah. was, was available to anyone. So, you know, um, yeah, it's definitely good advice. Ask questions, use your resources, isn't it? I think um, for the apprentices coming into the game at the moment. Yeah, like I, like I said earlier, I, went, I tried to get as much, as many things that I thought would make it more employable. I mean, I passed with Pazda. Any courses that I could go on, that I thought would make me look better for the employer. Also, more knowledge. Um, I do enjoy going on a course and learning new stuff. Um, like eFix, their CPD that they do, I've done most of it now. And, and manufacturers, the stuff that they're putting out all the time, um, you can never, you're never going to know it all. Yeah. So while ever you're learning, it's, it's progressing you and you, you're getting, getting better at your job. No, and that's what we're all striving to improve, isn't it? That's, that's one yeah. of the one of the key things. What what do you um what do you enjoy most about being an electrician? Wherever I'm, you're never in the same place. It's always somewhere different and different different jobs. Like for the last few weeks, I've been in some warehouses and offices. Um, prior to that, I did five months in a mushroom farm, and there I was doing in a legal illegal mushroom. Farm. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, they are, they were, or they are, the biggest in Europe, the company, and the second biggest in the world, I believe. Um, but that was good because I got to work on the agricultural side, mm. machinery, 
and then I got to work in the food prep side, working on stuff that I've never even been anywhere near. Um, machines with inverters and contactors, and yeah, you open a panel up, and it's just you're like, where do I start? Because to yeah. me, I've never, as an installation electrician, you've never done it, but it was so interesting. And but after five months of being there, you think, yeah, I could probably do this. But you you know you're in one place all the time. I like the fact that I get to work on and the places you get to work in some really unusual places. Um, I've worked in nunneries with hidden chapels, I've got food factories, schools, um, lots of different manufacturing places. I, I love working in factories because you spend quite a bit of time just watching the process of how it's all what's being made, uh, but the machinery, how it's maintained, what how you look after it. That's what interests me as well. Yeah. It's the variety of work, I would say. Have you, have you stepped into the process element? Like you say, you're opening up panels. Have you managed to get much experience with that? Um, yeah. While I was there, we, I, I, we, we went to this mushroom farm to install a fire alarm. And he, he said, can you, can you spare someone for a couple of days a week? Because they had no engineers. So I ended up being there six days a week for five months. And um, ex-Remy, lad who were in charge, and he'd, he'd open a panel up and he'd talk you through it and explain everything to you, what went where, why it was doing it, how it was doing it. If there was a fault and I was unsure, he'd stand behind you and point in the direction. And it was, in the five months I learned a lot to say. I'd never opened a panel before. I won't say I was competent now, but I have a much better understanding of it all and I feel more confident doing no, that. No, I mean, and, and and that's, I think, the, one of the most valuable things that you've said is recognising your own competence, isn't it? It's understanding that, yes, you you know, being aware of the, the components and, and the risk, but also understanding your own limitations when dealing with it. Yeah, knowing your own limitations, that's a good, good word to say. Yeah, no, definitely. So uh, on, the, on the polar end then, what, what, do you, what do you not like about being an electrician? The other trades. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, to work around them, it's, it's some sites you go to and everyone gets on and works perfectly. And then you get to other sites and it's like, I want to be in that room. Everyone else has got to get out. And you're all there to work. You've all got a job to do. So try and work around each other. Um, I was in Sunderland a couple of days ago. Got to do a job. Should have been there for one day a few weeks ago. Finished the job off. Turned up. No ceilings up. So me and the other sparks, everyone stood around. You can't put your lights up, can't put fire up, uh, detectors up. Nothing could up because there's no ceilings. So the promises they'd be there yesterday turned up. They're putting the carpets down. You can't get in the rooms. It's I think sometimes bad management. If I think if more management came from actually working on the tools, there'd be a better understanding of how it all works. I think some of the management just comes in from other they're just managers that could have worked as there are wherever and they don't understand what needs to go in what order and how it, how it should be done. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think there is a, a common element that typically it's always, let's say, the, the builders, the civils aspect of the project that gets managed and you can even probably throw a mechanical in there the the m&e element is always last fitting in around everything and you yeah. just gotta but I, I always say you know if if that's the case then 
don't light up the room, don't have your heating. These are all the things that need to be coordinated and compliant. So yeah. don't don't well, force us into a situation that we can't comply. Yeah, we just say, look, you're not opening the building. If you haven't got a working fire alarm and it hasn't been signed off, you can't open. So let's yeah. get on with the job. Yeah, definitely. And that scares them sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> as, as it would, I would expect. Really. Um, have you found that you've gone into any other training? Obviously, say you're doing quite a lot of fire alarms. Have you explored any of the training associated with fire alarms? Um, not really, no. I've done I've done a bit of training. Like for the, we did quite a lot of um, sheltered accommodation. Uh, so we were using all ACO's gear for that. So we did a bit of training with ACO, um, which was really good and did that but with regards to actual commissioning fire alarms and that it's not something i've done because we always have a dedicated commissioner okay yeah, and, 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 yeah. and does it um it, i am interested in it and i'm i do stand behind them and i'm trying to pick up more but as qualified no i've i've i've, I've no qualifications in that no, fair enough. No, and like you say, if you've got a, a competent engineer coming in and, and commissioning it all for you, then um, yeah. he, he's the one obviously signing on the dotted line, isn't he? Yeah, it's like I did I did my triple STS a few years ago so that I could start running jobs. Well, not running, but looking after Supervising, people. yeah. That's it, supervising. There was only like three or four of us, but it meant that you could do different jobs, you could get onto different sites because you got someone with a supervisor's ticket then. Yeah. Have you had? Have you done much with that? Um, but it was just, there was four of us, so it was just like, right, he's the supervisor. We all worked together <laughs> and, and did it. Um, it just, odd, odd meetings you have to go into and sign paperwork and things. Um, but looking after lots of people, I've not done it. It's something that slightly scares me, um, looking after and running bigger jobs and more people. But I, I suppose you've got to jump in and do it. And then with experience, it gets will hopefully get easier. Yeah, like like an it's, it's like any job, isn't it? You you start off, you know little, and the more you know, the more you realise you don't know, and then yeah. you know you lean on the right people to to assist you and and manage it properly and and supervise it safely. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I can't disagree with that that experience. Um, how, how do you how do you manage your your CPD as a as a working electrician? Do you find a lot of time to to do that? When my wife's on nights. <laughs> yeah. Daughter's gone to bed, and you can do it on an e- you can do it on an evening then, and it's just trolling through the internet or Instagram, Twitter. There's, there's always pages up coming up that you can find stuff to do, um, and try and find stuff that's relevant. It's like I've just done some uh, stuff on EV because that's getting massive now. Mm. Um, battery storage. That's that's another thing. That's good. So I'm, I'm wanting to look into more of that. That sort of side and uh, try more renewable stuff. Yeah. Do you have any control in the business to decide if that stuff does become more relevant for your day-to-day instance? Um, or? Not, not control over it, um, but I can suggest things and um, say, should we try this? Can we try that? And sometimes it's listened to. It depends on what jobs you're doing and what you can get in. Yeah. Um, but they do listen to what I, what I have to say. No, no, no. I, I, yeah, I was I, obviously just aware you're kind of um, self-employed and, and things like that. You kind of might be able to get to, to choose what jobs that come your way a little bit. Yeah, uh, I, I do work mostly for this, this other 
well, it was a father and son, but sadly, Duncan passed away last year. Um, so it's now just his son, Adam. But we are we're, we're scaling down on the bigger, I mean, we've done like your massive Amazon warehouses and mm. big food. We're scaling down on smaller jobs. And so we can be a bit more particular on what we pick. And we are, he has said that we are going to try some different, some avenue, different avenues in the, to find out what, what there is there. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, like you say, EVs is definitely um, becoming a hot topic. I wouldn't necessarily say electrically it's probably much different to the everyday things. You know, it, it is a very simple circuit. Yeah. Um, obviously, the open element is kind of creeping in, and I think people are comfortable more now than probably, say, a year or two ago with those particular devices and and the installations surrounding them but i don't i don't i don't know it seems like there's a, it's been focused on because um of everything else that's going on in the country at the moment in terms of you know ev cars overtaking combustion engine cars yeah. um obviously the energy crisis and all everything that's kind of it's just accentuating an, an issue whereas the electrical complexity let's say of the installations are not necessarily more difficult for for the everyday electrician, particularly the ones that I would say are dealing with, uh, you know, like yourself, process lines, anything like that. It, I would consider that bread and butter really for us to be dealing with. Yeah. Um, but it, it does seem to have grown some legs with all these additional qualifications. I, you know, I've, I'll be honest, I haven't undertaken one of those courses um, I, and I probably don't really have any need to because I'm not, in doing any ev in the near future yeah. but um it does seem to have, have probably gotten a lot of financial traction that maybe I, it shouldn't have necessarily have had but the more competency in the field the better um i can't yeah. argue with argue with that either i don't know what your thoughts are on on that yeah it's it like i'm going back to asking i was at um elex at harrogate a few weeks ago and there's um, Oval Renewables, they're all over Instagram. Mm-hmm. And really nice chap. And I just spotted him, went over, had a word, and he's like, if you want to come, we're always looking for subbies. If you don't know it, we'll teach you it, we'll show you it. He's doing solar, he's doing battery, these battery storage systems, EV, everything. And it's really nice. It's just talking to people again and finding out what's out there and what you can do. And if, if you can't do it, some of the courses, I think, are just a bit of a money-making scheme. Whereas if you're out working with them, you can find out what you're doing, see it, and then decide which ones, you need, which courses you need to do, so you're not wasting your money because you work hard for your money. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, and 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 that's that's part of it, isn't it? Determining your own competence again, knowing your own limitations, and do I need to get better at that? And then going seeking out the relevant CPD training, whatever you need to feel confident in your role in a day-to-day business. Yeah. I mean, if you shoved me in someone's house and said, stick my EV charger on you, said, yeah, yeah, I, I, I could do it. But then you've got to think, I don't work in domestic, so I've got to then find out it's the routes through the house and how it how it all goes, which is it's a totally different world, domestic to industrial, commercial. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. What Whilst the, the fundamentals are transferable, the, the skill set needed to operate in the different sectors is, is incredibly varied. Yeah, I, I mean, I take my hat off to every domestic electrician because I just I just can't do it. It's no. just not it's not for me. I've tried 
um, and, and failed. <laughs> so it's just not for me. I've done my own house and that's that's as much as I want to do. Yeah, same as same. That's all as much as I'll ever do again. I can say that. Yeah. Um. I mean, so I mean, what do you see? What do you see coming up in the industry then? Other than maybe say EV, which we've touched on. Um. What are, what other things do you see as hot topics in the industry? I don't know really. I mean, renewables are are coming in everywhere. Um. So that to me is one way that's going. I don't know. It's, it's like you've got AFDDs and SPDs that have just come in. Um, so you've got to get your head around fitting all these now. Um, Technology is moving that fast. I think there's always going to be something new, either to make your life easier as an electrician or to make it safer with what you can fit into your boards. I mean, I've, I've been looking at doing a bit of SP, uh, CPD on um, SPDs and FDDs. And what they, what they can do is amazing. Mm. And Ten years ago, I'd never heard of anything like that, and it probably wasn't wasn't there. No, I mean, well, it's only in the last handful of years we've gone from um, recommendations to shall, isn't it? So, um, yeah, we've we've had that progression in the last couple of revisions of of the regulations. Yeah, I mean, is there anything that particularly excites you about anything that's coming up in in the industry, or anything you know with your day job? Is there any particular aspect of work that really gets your gets your juices flowing? <laughs> I'm just trying to find new things that I've not done. So that's why I said, like, with, with renewables, I've not touched anything like that. That's when I went working on the panels. Nothing I've done before. So it's finding something new all the time, that it's, it's hard as you, as you get progressing in your career. You, you, you find less and less that you've not done. But finding something, it's like, with, I don't, I call it proper sparking, power and lighting, things like that. We, I don't do that much of it. So getting on and doing... So we've, we've hopefully got a few jobs coming up doing that. It, something different it, it yeah. is what I uh, enjoy doing. No, like you say, that's, that's part setting of it. awake, aren't you? Doing the same day in day out. Yeah, no, and and that's that's key, isn't it? It's variety and and keeping yourself um, up to speed on on the skill set that you you gain over the the many years. You know, if you don't touch conduit for five years and suddenly go back to it you've got to relearn that skill yeah. again and it's, it's, yeah it is a skill that as well people can make it look really nice i can make it look okay yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no same same here I'd, I'd be starting to learn again if i picked it up now and I, you can say the same for like you were saying with pyro you know it's um it's a skill to be able to get to terminate that quickly and properly and and not have any faults yeah yeah, and get it nice and straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always a good few kinks in pyro. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I went to my first electrical trade show. I said a few weeks ago at LX, and that was brilliant because as much as I get around working everywhere, you only work with a set certain people. So social media, you t- I talk to lots of different people on that, and then actually meeting them in person is so much better. Because you you put a, a you see the face on social media, but chatting face to face and and getting out there and just seeing what's available at these shows um, is brilliant. So I think I need to do more of that, get out and see more stuff. Yeah, no, there's I mean it's an ever growing community now, isn't it? And like you say, now now we're kind of past COVID, the trade shows are 
are reappearing again and it's opportunities for us all to meet at various venues and and while we're doing it get a bit of cpd yeah yeah no, that's brilliant um i mean it's been like i said it's been fantastic having a chat with you and um learning about all your your experience and route into the industry i do have one one final question though um and it is what is your favorite movie um don't laugh it's kevin and pedigo large i mean that's probably if any film's worth a laugh it's that one i mean that film is yeah. it just it just takes me back to my teenage years um me it, it made me friend were similar to them too <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and I, did, I, I did Ibiza and places like that for a fair few years through my teenage years and it just yeah it reminds me of being a kid yeah no definitely it's a it's a it's a great film and um, yeah. a, a must watch for any uh, comedy fan I would say yeah a good soundtrack as well yeah it actually has actually yeah I, I kind of vaguely remember that it's a great movie choice and uh, it's been great chatting with you thank you it's been good to talk to you and uh, thank you, everyone, for listening.